Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. How's it, everybody? Welcome back to the Command Zone podcast. I'm your host, Josh Lee Kwai. And I'm DJ from the Jumbo Commander YouTube channel. Jimmy is out of town, so DJ is filling in. You probably saw him on our M20 preview card video. He's still here. It's also the same day, and we're wearing the same clothes. Don't at me. Okay. That's better than being a different day and wearing the same clothes, though. <laughs> Actually, that's a really good point. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, DJ, this is a topic that you kind of brought up when we were kicking around ideas to talk about. We're calling it Building Your Meta. It's about maintaining a healthy playgroup, or uh, I guess playgroup is the right word, right? Yeah, and, and ultimately, if you take some of this advice that we're going to share with you today, uh, you can shape a meta from sort of nothing too. You can sort of maintain what you have, build something new and sort of like create good relationships and good commander games. Yeah. And you know, the goal is to make sure that everyone's having fun every time you play and that'll make everybody want to play more often. And that can be harder than it sounds. Playgroups definitely are, you know, relationships among people and those can have sort of their ups and their downs and their... Yeah. But Josh, I have the most fun when I win... And I also don't have fun when I lose. Okay, well, we're going to talk about <laughs> all of those issues. Definitely, definitely that's the thing. But before we get into all that, we need to talk about our sponsors, cardkingdom.com slash command zone. If you use that affiliate link when you order your magic products, singles, you know, there's a lot to order right now. There's Modern Horizons, which is still there and awesome, and the draft format is sweet. Yes. And the cards are actually really sweet for Commander, too. If you haven't seen the new Game Nights, you should check it out. There's also M20, the new core set, which is right around the corner. And at the time we're recording this, Modern Horizons is not even out. But M20, I, I, very soon you'll be able to start pre-ordering. And our card's already been spoiled. And some other cards are going to be... I mean, My card's on the way. Your card's on the way. It, you're going to want to get some of those cards, too. So go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone to pick up all that stuff you're supporting the podcast, game nights, extra turns, all of our content. Also, when you get those cards, or even for your current cards, you want to protect that stuff. You want to play it onto a nice playmat so it doesn't get all dirty. Ultra Pro really does make the best products that go along with your magic cards. We're talking dice, deck boxes, eclipse sleeves, all that stuff. And also, the art from Modern Horizons, I oh, have yeah. to say, is spectacular. You open up those packs and see those little pieces of art in there, that just makes me just really want playmats with all of this art on it, so I can just have it everywhere. Yeah, we don't. Uh, we didn't. I should have put it out here, but the Urza playmat. What you have an Urza playmat? It's it's really sweet because the Urza art is really really sweet. So 
Make mm-hmm. sure to also support Ultra Pro. You are supporting all of our content. And the final way is you can contribute to us directly if you go to patreon.com slash command zone. You can join us in our Discord server. DJ hangs out in there sometimes. Yep, at Jumbo Commander in the in the Discord, and I can come in and say hi. Uh, you can see Game Nights before anybody else. And also, we shout out, shout out one lucky patron every single episode. And this episode is dedicated to Terrence O'Brien. Terrence. You rock. Thanks, Terrence. Okay, so we're going to talk about building your meta, cultivating your playgroup. This sort of, we started this discussion and you had a quote from somebody in your stream. Do you want to set it up? Yeah, so uh, I actually streamed uh, for the second time ever. Um, you want to plug your stream? I mean, here <laughs> no, we are. No, no, plug I, it, even, plug it. I put it on. So I put it on YouTube Live because oh, okay. I don't actually have like people following me on Twitch or anything gotcha. like that. Um, but so I wanted to do a while? Modern Horizon set review. Hold on, hold on. So oh. if you subscribe, to, oh yeah, if you subscribe to my channel, to you'll Jumbo get a notification. Commander on YouTube, and you hit that little bell for notifications. Then, if and when. DJ streams, you will get a notification. Absolutely. So, okay. And 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 if you follow me on Twitter, I, I put it out there on Twitter too. He's so, at Jumbo Commander on Twitter. There we go. All Don't that good stuff. Don't turn down a, uh, an opportunity, a, an to, opportunity plug to plug your stuff. That's yeah, right. Okay. All right. I'm just sorry. gonna throw it in another. So times. you were okay. streaming. I was streaming, uh, and going through the set review, we were talking about Urza, and people were were hyped about Urza, and, and I'm for sure many of you are hyped about Urza, and I said, let's guys, let's take a step back here. Okay, everyone, card pull, is back, broken. pull back and say, this card is broken, but is it good for your playgroup? Like, is it good for the meta that you're in? Yes, it will win games, but is it healthy for your real life relationships, for the way that, for what you're bringing to the table? Uh, and um, Spike Feeders, Spike Feeders uh, was in the stream. Spike uh, Feeders, if you don't know, are a competitive EDH um, uh, YouTube channel. Themed, yeah, I was looking for the word like themed. Like, they anyway. do gameplay. Their their focus is competitive EDH. Yeah, they they do the top tier decks and oh, they yeah. play them against each other. Very good gameplay videos. If you go to Spike Feeders on YouTube, you'll find them that way. Yeah, uh, and just gave me a beautiful a beautiful quote. So this is from Spike Feeders in your stream. Yeah, uh, launched this entire episode. You should build your meta as carefully as you build your deck. <laughs> that was DJ's mind being blown. We've said this. We've said that same sentiment in some meta episodes we had way in the past. We haven't talked about meta in a long time, but I believe that like I used to run a basketball group in LA, and we would play like every Tuesday night. And I was in charge. Me and my best friend uh, were in charge with like organizing who's going to be there and make sure the gym was available and all this stuff. And we we learned very quickly that and and. This could apply, obviously, to your playgroup that, like, you have to take a very tight handle on things because it's so easy for you to get off the rails, and the whole group can tumble into the darkness if you don't cultivate it and pay very close attention to keeping it healthy. Yeah. So, you know, I and we hear from people all the time, their playgroups break up. You know, and then a lot of times, or they, they don't want to play anymore. You yes. feel you go to you go to a commander night, or you go to your local game store, and you have this anxiety about sitting down across from another player, or you feel like you love magic, but you just don't feel like playing as much anymore, and that stinks. Also, if it's your friend that feels that way, but not you, it still affects you in the same way because you need people to play with, and so it can be a situation where like something happened that isn't even. You're like, you're like, I'm no drama, but doesn't matter because it still affects me because those two now don't want to play or have beef. 
or something happened and it does affect me because if they don't want to play, I can't really play commander because you just can't, you, you, yeah. need, you need more than, you know, you need a, a decent amount of people in a play group to regularly be able to meet. Like you need more than four people probably. Yeah. Um, and I think that people, when they're building decks, sometimes they're thinking of building the most powerful deck. They're thinking about building the deck that they want to build and they might be pushing out of their head, you know, how this is going to fit into a larger plan, the plan of your metagame. Right. So uh, I wanted to talk about really quick some common issues that can crop up within playgroups. Something we hear about or have seen a lot. There's the arms race, as they call it. So this is the feeling that like, well, DJ is going to go out and buy more cards and make new decks. And like, I have to keep up. So I got to go do that. And And that can also be unhealthy for your wallet. Um, It can be hard. Here we have a bling arms race. Yeah, you and Jimmy. (laughs) Hey, by the way, I've been working on my bling arms race. I'm about ready to throw down with you too, but Ooh, we'll talk okay. about that in a, in a later <laughs> episode. Um, but that can be tough because when a pl- when a play group, similar to like a basketball group, is m- a, a number of people, right? It's three, four, five, six, seven. Our play group is like 12 or 13 people. Not everybody is going to be on the same wavelength for what they're willing to spend, how much time they're willing to dedicate to just thinking up decks and stuff. And so there starts to be a disparity, a gap between what people are doing. And it can start to feel bad. And the people who, like, don't want to go to the store and constantly buy new cards and blah, 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 can't keep up. Eventually, they stop wanting to play, though, because this person just way more into it than I am. And it's making it, like, feel like I never have a chance. And that should be fun. Like, you should be able to have this be a casual game. Like, you should be able to say, look, I'm only going to spend 40 bucks on this game or, you know, 20 bucks a month or something like that. And that should be fine. And it feels real bad when you feel like you've built this deck and it just can't keep up and everyone's leaving you behind. So the arms race is something that's difficult for playgroups. Uh, there's the power level gap that's kind of related. Sometimes mm-hmm. people are just playing at a power level that you either don't want to or, you know, they just know more about the game than you do. That's something we hear that can sort of hurt playgroups. Um, different players have different level of investment in the game. It might just not just be money, but, like, we've all had that friend or two that kind of casually plays. But, yes. you know, we have a commander channel on YouTube, podcasts. We, my, you know, this is my full-time job, like... It's somebody else who just kind of plays commander could be like, listen, Josh is just way too into it for me. And that would totally make sense for them, but it might be a situation where that, that could create some tumult in your play group. Uh, also just personality clashes, you know, it's a, it's a show, it's a social format. So not everybody gets along. P- people have personalities that just kind of, you know, when you care a lot about something, then a lot of times there's emotion in there yeah. and those emotions can come out. Uh, so, so that's another thing that can kind of throw a wrench in the work. So we're going to kind of go through a lot of this stuff and try and help give some advice on how to keep things going smoothly so that everybody's having fun, but everybody also, you know, wants to... The, the real goal is everybody likes it when you, you start shuffling up the cards, and they want to do it again as soon as possible when you're done. Then you play more games. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So what are some keys to maintaining a healthy meta? Well, starting off, we have just the baseline. This is... If you take one thing away from this entire podcast... That's the graphic showing up. Exactly. <laughs> Good job, Josh. Uh, this one thing, it's all about communication. Yep. And that's the core of this entire thing. Like everything, if, you just, if you're quiet and you don't talk with anyone, then you're not going to get anywhere. You're not going to solve any problems. Communication is super key. And well, so, I like you put down communication always. Always. Communication always. Yeah. Um, and... 
this could be problem solving. It could be stuff outside the game. It's just talking with other people. And actually communication just makes the game better in my opinion. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later about ways you can sort of bring out conversation, bring out communication in these games because Josh mentioned seconds ago, it's a social game. Yep. And that's, that's what, what makes, makes it fun. That's what makes Commander Commander, really. Honestly, that's the biggest difference we have from all the other formats. Even though you do need some communication like, hey, this thing triggers and I attack you and things like that. But you don't need the same level of communication that a c Commander pod needs, right? Exactly. Like, hey, guys, uh, can anybody destroy that thing? Because probably DJ's going to combo off next turn. Like, that's just a piece of Commander. And I like games yeah. like oh, that. Yeah, where, where you go back and forth and you, f you figure out what's going on and you work together as a team and you work against other people. It's great. You had a uh, sort of like, hey, here's something you might think about not doing because it's, it actually might contribute to a a bad play experience. Yeah, I I think that we should stop as a group doing the let's put your commander face down. Everyone puts their commander face down and then surprise, here's my commander. Then they turn it up and that's the commander that they're playing. Right. It's kind of fun and if your meta is healthy and balanced enough that all of your decks are really well to play against each other, then that's fine. But in most situations, you should pick your deck for the specific game, for what's going on. You shouldn't bring your low-powered budget deck to a competitive game. You should, yeah, you need to let everybody know, and we talk about this all the time, too, that power scale, 1 to 10, whatever, mm -hmm. however you want to do it, of, like, this is what everybody's playing. Is everyone around the same level? Um, that communication at the start of the game. But I think you can do that with the flip-up thing, as long as you're like, hey, listen. Yeah, you could do that, say, but... It, but everyone's but communication, at eight, right? Yeah, like, yeah, no exactly. one's playing a 10 and no one's playing a five, right? Okay, then this is one of mine. And the core of that is the communication, right? Yeah. Is the, is the, okay, I've got about a seven or an eight or something like that. So, so I would say make sure that people know kind of the power level of your deck before you sit down and start playing. Um, and I that's... Go ahead, go no, that's just uh, sort of this starting point of starting off the game really fresh and starting off with this idea of communication. It really sets a tone for the game. I just want to cut off a bunch of questions we're going to get now because people always want to know, like, how do I exactly tell the power level of my deck on a 1 to 10 scale? <laughs> you do not. It isn't, it's an art more than a science. You guess. What you're trying to avoid is a gap that's huge. You don't want to be playing an 8 when everybody else is playing a 5. You're not trying to avoid playing an 8 against a 7 or a 6. That's going to happen. That's fine. You just don't want to be like, hey, I'm at a 10. Oh, crap. I shouldn't have played my 5. I can play my 8, though. So you just want to be within a range that's acceptable. You're not trying to hone in on like, oh, my gosh, dude. Mine's a 7, yours an 8. How dare you? That's fine. That game should be fine. You just don't want to be like 12 steps below them. Yeah. And okay. if, you, if you willingly bring a 5 to a 10 fight... You should know what you're getting in for. You probably won't be mad when they combo off because exactly. they told you they were going to do that. Yeah. Exactly. And then that helps build this healthy playgroup, this healthy meta, because you're not upset that they busted out this 10 deck because they told you. Now, what can be a little bit of a problem if you're like, hey, I've got this five and everybody, and there's nothing that they, they, they decide to play a 10. Well, I'm going to play my 10. Mm. You know, that's the thing where, but the yeah. communication's important. Okay, well, one of us has to do something different here, right? Because this is just not going to lead to a fun experience, probably. Unless yeah. you're like, okay, fine, let's just see how it does. Then that's fine. That could be fine. Yeah. I'm probably going to lose. Totally, you know. <laughs> okay. Um, the next point you had here was get political. And I think this is tied really closely to the communication. Yeah. Uh, whenever you're doing politics, you are opening up the lines of communication. You want to make deals. And so you're talking with people. You're you know, convincing people to do your bidding. 
Is that how you see it? <laughs> it's true, though. <laughs> Right. No, but even here's the thing. Even if you're making deals, breaking deals, doing all sorts of like that, you're opening up the lines of communication. And also what you're doing is you're creating a balance that exists outside of your physical cards. Right. I really like this. You said that political cards can help even the playing field, even if one person, person's deck is more powerful than the others. So one of the... Uh, one of the exa- <laughs> examples you put down here is fractured identity. Yeah. <laughs> which exiles something and then creates a copy of it for everybody else. That's actually really true because if somebody's got a really powerful deck and you do that, well, your best permanent, everybody else has a copy of that now. That's you a really way that have you, reestablished a new power dynamic with a single political card. Right. It might not make you win, but it can bring down the most powerful deck. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's an interesting that that's an interesting idea I hadn't really thought about in those terms before. Yeah, and and political uh, alignment has the potential, by the way, to cause problems in your in right, your matter. Right. You know, if you are constantly picking on someone, or if you're constantly breaking deals and stuff like that, uh, then you could actually cause a bigger disruption than you mean to. Uh, but in many situations, if you are politicking well. If you're if you're really opening up these conversations, even if they might be like, no, I'm not doing this deal with you, uh, that can That's still open move. up. Yeah, I know, right? It still opens up those lines of communication, and so what it does is it helps build that critical first step of communication first. Yeah, politics is social interaction, which can lead to com- more communication, right? Which is good. If that's your philosophy for your play group, that hey, we're going to talk about things. That's yeah. generally going to be good. Um, the next point here was make. Adjust or is make adjustments. So this can mean a couple of things. It can mean adjusting your decks to be either stronger or weaker. Um, DJ, you said you actually like tuning down your decks. Yeah, I actually really like tuning down. This is where Josh and I we sort differ. Of fun, we differ, fine. but that's fine. I actually really enjoy tuning down the power level of my decks because in many cases, what I'm doing is I'm not actually removing powerful cards. I'm usually adding in powerful, more expensive, like seven drops and eight drops and like big splashy cards. And so what I'm doing is I'm taking down the consistency and I'm making the curve a little bit higher and that's how I power down my decks. And actually I feel like they play very fun. Yeah, and that would be my advice to anyone who wants to power down their deck. We get asked this a lot too because people just you know, oh, my playgroup doesn't like this deck or they think my decks are too powerful, but I'm not really sure how to build less powerful decks. One of the best ways to do it is like take out your tutors and in place of the tutors, just put in a couple of big splashy things. Uh, Mine's dilation. Yeah, it it will (laughs) increase the variance of your deck and it won't necessarily increase the top end power. It'll just, or sorry, necessarily decrease the top end power. It'll just make it a little less consistent. I would also maybe cut down on some of the super fast mana stuff because mm-hmm. a lot of times your deck is too powerful not because of what it's doing, but it's when it's doing it. So it's like some of that stuff is fine, turn 12, you know, 14, but probably yeah. your playgroup's not ready to handle it, turn six and seven. And so that's a way to detune. I'm not a big fan of detuning my decks because I always feel bad when I'm playing them of like, when this deck, you know, had X, Y, and Z in it, it was so much better, and I just think that during the game. So to me, I rather just have certain decks that are built to be less powerful, and I just concentrate or I consciously don't 
keep tuning them at a certain point. It's like, okay, this deck's good. I'm just not really going to mess with it because I have tons of seven and eights. I don't need another one. This needs to f- stay at a six. You know, yeah, you know, that's a good point. This needs to stay at a five. Uh, you know, because, you know, 80% of my decks are in this range. I don't need more of that. Um, and so I have like three decks that I'd say are in the five and six range and they can play against pre-con all the way to like decently tuned stuff. You have about three or four decks in that range too. Yeah, and I got like ten or twelve in the seven and eight <laughs> yeah, range, yeah. right? And then I got like two or three. Yeah, I got uh, that two in the eight. top. Yeah, yeah, yeah that range too. And so, but that's but the thing is that that's our meta. So we focus the majority of our decks in the range of our meta, and then we have flexibility built in. Right. Um, but I I do like what you said about tuning the decks down. I think adjusting, making adjustments can also mean adjusting to certain deck styles or adjusting to strategies that are prevalent or or sort of rise up in your meta. So like, um, you know, Hogak just came out, let's say. That's going to be a dredgy, graveyardy type deck that we saw Jimmy play a really cool deck on game nights. And that may be a strategy that in your meta hasn't been around much. I mean, if your playgroup's been around a while, graveyard strategies, obviously you're going to (laughs) have seen them. But, you know, it can, something like that. This is an example. Yeah. And suddenly you need to play, you know, you need to play some Graph Digger's Cages and you need to play some Leyline of the Voids and you need to play some Bajuka Bogs and you need to play some Graveyard Hate type of stuff. You need some of it in there because that's an axis that you're not used to dealing with. And I think in a healthy meta, people are doing that. They're going, oh, okay, here's a deck and it's getting stronger and I'm going to go and I'm going to, I'm going to create a little package that's good at fighting against that deck. This is a, that is a productive arms race yes. basically where someone's like, well, I'm going to take my deck in this direction to get an advantage at the table. And then someone else is like, well, I'm going to answer it in this way, or I'm going to take my threat above yours and get bigger. Uh, that's a fun push and pull. That's uh, why strategy games are awesome. It's thrust, counter thrust, repost, parry. Like that's, what's awesome about strategy and tactics is like, I'm going to go on this level and then I'm going to level you up by thinking on this. Yeah. Angle, yeah, that's not like I'm gonna go buy dual lands, you know? Yeah, and that's the arms race that people feel bad about is yeah, that we so. both come in with pre cons, and then I'm like, okay, I'm gonna buy a consecrated sphinx and mana crypt these, and a force you know, of will, yeah, this, yeah, and all this crazy stuff, and then suddenly I'm unbeatable. But if somebody's like, oh, I need uh, to be able to exile enchantments because you know you have some powerful enchantments that that deck rests on, I think that's not an arms race, that's that's a healthy adjustment to the meta, yeah, you know, okay, um. Before we continue here, we are going to take a quick break and we're going to hear a message from our sponsors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. 
Okay, we're back. We are talking about building your meta, maintaining it, cultivating it, keeping it healthy. Yes, feel free to throw all the cultivate Kodama's Reach jokes at me. Um, All right, anytime you say that word, somebody's got to make a joke about it. Yes, I know it's a card. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's a good card too. Yeah, it is. Well, <laughs> the winningest card in Commander, according to our stats, right, basically. Right. Okay. So we're running down the points we talked about. Communication, always. We talked about getting political, making adjustments. Now, we're going to talk about changing your perspective. This is my favorite one, Josh. Uh, hard to do. Very hard to do. Uh, basically, we have a perspective going into the game where it's... I win or I lose. And a lot of times we get tied up into that so much, we only have happiness, we only have a good time if we win, and if we lose, we have a bad time. And that if everyone goes into the playgroup like that, then three people are going to leave upset and one person's going to leave happy. Well, I mean, you might play multiple games, but yeah, sure, yeah. sure, sure. Um, I, I mean, I would say this skill... The ability to sort of go into your programming and reset the parameters Mm -hmm. is a great skill to have in life. I agree. Figure out this skill. You can sort of be so much happier in general by just understanding like when it's best to reset the parameters and to figure out what the win condition is because it's not always winning the game, right? Because it's not, because it's not. And it doesn't, it doesn't happen like that in life all the time where you can do everything right and things still can't turn out your way. And instead you have to say, well, actually I made all the right calls. I went through the process the way I was supposed to be. I was successful. Oh, even though I didn't win. Right. Yeah, it's like uh, if you were like, oh, I'm going to write a book. Just finishing the book could be the win condition, right? Yeah. Like it, you you wouldn't at the end of it want to be like, oh, it didn't make the national you know, bestseller list or something. But for somebody who's written a bunch of books, maybe that is their win condition. That's mm-hmm. their parameter. Or, you know, that's just an example. But I think being able to sort of look at situations and determine a, uh, a parameter and a win condition or a, a goal that is fitting for you and is going to increase your happiness and and... A lot of times, I do this all the time. So it's a skill that I've definitely cultivated. Uh, I, I really enjoy it too. Basically, it's like an achievement-based game. Yeah. So uh, I have certain decks where I say, okay, I can win the game, but really what I want to be doing is blank. Yeah. I want to get four biovisionaries on the battlefield. I want to work towards that. Or I want to do something cool. And I think there's a lot of you out there that are trying to do cool stuff more than you want to win. And I think a lot of you are happy playing Commander. And sometimes you play to win, and you can switch this from game to game. Like, I definitely, if I've won a couple games in the night, I reset the parameter to, like, okay, you know, I've had my fun, I won. Uh, Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to play this deck, and, you know, I'm going to try and just make the biggest, splashiest move, or I'm going to try and, like, you know, mess with one specific player at the table, or I'm going to, like, try and sow chaos in some other way. Or maybe, you know, I've done this a lot where I'm, like, I'm not going to try and win with my cards. I'm going to try and win specifically with politics. So this whole game, I'm going to be very like political. I have a very ruthless Sultai lands deck um, and it includes villainous wealth. And so sometimes I'm like, okay, this is going to be a villainous wealth game where I'm working towards that win condition because that's how I want to win. And that can be really fun. Um, but it might not be the best way to win in every situation, but you just said, okay, for this game, uh, that's my goal now. And the goal in essentially in any of this thing is to have fun. Right. Right. And And I think, I think that's what gets clouded though. Right. People think the goal is to win when actually the goal is to have fun. 
I also think that you can you can do something with reframing yourself, but you can also do a really good job with building your playgroup with this exact same strategy, pointing out other people's achievements uh, when they do something cool so that they feel like they've won even though they haven't. Mm -hmm. So for example, Josh does something cool, you can ignore, Josh. That was sweet. That was so cool. And then Josh feels good and it doesn't matter if he won or not because he did the cool thing. I've also talked about many times where like, you know, there's been a million times in games where I'm like, you know, like uh, Vinny's got doing this cool thing and he's going to do this thing and I have Curse and Grip in my hand. I'm just going to hold it. I'm just not going <laughs> to cast it. I'm going to let Vinny do his cool thing. He built his deck. He bought the cards. He went online. He thought about it for hours and hours. Like, you know, now next game when he tries to do the same thing, I'm going to stop it. But I want Vinny to like have that moment. I want whoever, I want DJ to have that moment. Like I haven't seen this deck do the thing before, or maybe I even have, but it's just, it's really doing, being cool. I'm going to let him do it. Like, why not? Why not let your friend like feel good about it and yeah. feel really excited about it? And call them out when they do something yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. And what do you want? Do you want to work towards winning or do you want to work towards, how about this scenario? Have you ever had someone at a commander game be like, Oh, I need to take a picture of that. Yeah, yeah, Craig. Isn't that such a good? Isn't that such a good feeling? <laughs> I, I would, I would hark, and because people kind of, I've had pushback. People like you don't always try to win. How? I would hearken it to like I used to run that basketball group, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of times where like I'm on a team and that player over there is not as good a shooter as I am. So technically, I should shoot the ball every time. I shouldn't let them ever shoot. But that's yeah. not how you want to. <laughs> you just never pass to them. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's but that's what ball hogs do, and I'm not a ball hog. And so doesn't that, that build an unhealthy playground? Yeah, and that person's that person wants to have fun playing basketball that night, and they're a friend of mine, and I like them. And after this, we're going to go to the bar, we're going to have a beer, and we're going to laugh about you know the stupid fouls that we had or whatever. And I'm they're open in the corner. I'm going to pass them the ball. Does that mean I'm not trying to win as hard as possible? Maybe, but I'm not going to become a professional basketball player any day soon. So, what I really want is for the group to stay healthy and for everybody to have fun. And that's what I consider like not cross and gripping their thing sometimes. Sometimes, Vinny, I'm going to stop you most of the time. But sometimes, yeah, we're going to let them go off. So I think that's an important lesson. Yeah, I agree. Um, this is a cool one. And I've only do this a few, done this a few times. And usually it's because I don't have my decks on me or I'm at an event or something. But I would like to do this more. I would like to get your decks, DJ. So next time this happens, let's, let's You're do totally, that. yeah. Um, or Kyle's. Actually, I want Kyle's decks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's swapping decks. Yeah. <laughs> so try playing with, you know, your friend's deck. And, and Jimmy and I have done this quite a bit. But with everybody else, I don't think as much. Uh, where you're just like, hey, give me one of your decks. This happens a lot because I have, I have some friends that uh, do limited and play modern or legacy and stuff like that. And they have a commander deck, but they're like tired of playing that one deck. So they're like, here, let me grab one of your decks. Yeah. Um, and I think it actually brings a lot of perspective to a meta and makes it a little bit more healthy because you're literally walking, like you're walking in someone else's shoes. You're playing someone else's deck. Right. Uh, something we talked about that's really cool and I do want to try, maybe you'll be down to try it with us, uh, with Graham and Kathleen, when they were on the podcast, we talked about Blind Commander, which was this thing where you, it's not the same as swapping decks exactly, because you're building a deck that you know someone else is going to pilot, and they're going to pick it up blind, and everyone else is going to make, in that pod, is going to make a deck for somebody else that they're going to play blind. I and would then, totally do that. And I threw in a little riff that you make it like backdrafting, so like, 
you get a point if you win the game, but you also get a point if your deck wins the game or something like that so that you don't just purposely build like the oh, crappiest yeah, deck you can come up with. Banding tribal. Have, yeah, exactly. So, you know, that would be, I think, a fun exercise to go I through. think it would be fun, too. Just spices things up, too. If things are going kind of rockily in your play group, you might be able to just get people to try something like that or just swap decks just to, like, break it up. Just break up the ice of the monotony of the same thing that's happening, which is usually what's causing problems. Yeah. Is like the same thing keeps happening. Oh, absolutely. And you know what I think it also does is it puts like, like we're walking in someone else's shoes. It puts you in someone else's perspective, but it also kind of has you rooting for your friend. Right. And yeah, cause I built that deck. I want to see it do a yeah, cool thing. Yeah. As soon as, as soon as you're not focused solely on your own victory and you're thinking and about other people. General. Yeah. And you're thinking about other people thinking about their deck and thinking about other stuff. Then I think that that brings a new level of perspective and really creates a healthy environment of really thinking about others and thinking about your meta. Yeah, if you're in that headspace, it feels like, and, and most of that play, your play group is, that, yeah. that feels like a really good place to be. Uh, the next idea here for, these are, I guess we're sort of straying into the realm of like, here's some stuff you can try if your play group is hitting one of those rocky patches. Definitely. Uh, and, and I would say too, you can feel when those rocky patches are coming and you should try these things earlier rather than later. The, the, the longer that it goes on, the more the re resentment builds and fosters. You're totally and right. It can be harder to sort of you turn and get out of that little cul-de-sac. So gosh, Josh, that's such a good point because when people are already sitting down and annoyed each other, you're not, let's switch up decks. No, I don't want to. Right. Like there's so much more resistance to that. Oh, you're so right. If you have an inkling that there's probably some social trouble bubbling under the surface, if you feel that it, it's there, you're not imagining it. So you should try and like, Oh, Hey, that's the point at which to be like, okay, let's maybe swap decks or, you know, I'll change my win con percentage. Maybe I'm the problem. You usually listen. We get emails from people all the time. My playgroup targets me first every time. Now you knew that was coming. You had to. You can't be totally oblivious. You've won way too many games, and they've been grumbling about it. Um, another thing your playgroup can try is to set some limits. Mm -hmm. So this is things like building special decks that are maybe maybe they're budget constrained. You know, this can help with your arms race problem. Mm -hmm. uh, Maybe it's popper decks, or maybe, hey, everybody choose a commander for everybody else and they'll build that for themselves. But, oh, that's fun. You know, that can kind of keep you out of like, you. I'm not choosing Urza for DJ, <laughs> 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 but you can build, you know, whatever. Um, or maybe even a theme, you know, hey. Yeah, that would be great too. Choose yeah. a choose a theme for each person. And, and that actually starts having us thinking about the game in terms of creativity yeah. rather than thinking about uh, in terms of winning or losing. Uh, and so it's about making a creative deck or building with these restrictions. Uh, I really like price restrictions or availability restrictions. Um, have you ever, for example, uh, sometimes when I was old, when I used to go to GPs and were in the main event, there's a lot of downtime between them, uh, but I still loved commander. And so we would take 50 bucks and say, you have to build a commander deck in the room. <laughs> and so you'd and be you going could only spend this all, amount of money. <laughs> exactly. And so you'd be going around to all these vendors and like going through all this stuff and being like, no, no, that's too expensive. And you're going through and trying to build a deck in between rounds. Sounds like a fun day. It is a fun day. Yeah. The thing that stinks a little bit is that like sometimes you're buying stuff with that fifty dollars. You're like, I have four of these at home, <laughs> but I just need this. <laughs> but right I need now. it right now, and it's gonna go in the It's stack. a magic but card. It'll still be worth it. Exactly. But and and sometimes you're like, you know what? I'm not gonna. I have this card at home. I don't want another one. I want that card for my collection, so I'm gonna put it in this deck. That's pretty cool. Um, 
you know, something people do also is like start with a pre-con and then allow for like upgrades. You wrote down mm-hmm. commander leagues here, which is another thing you could try. And you can do a soft league or a hard league. So a, a hard one would be like their point systems and it's breaking down in this specific way. You could also say, hey, everybody, we're going to start with a pre-con and you can add five cards to it, you know, and then next week we'll add five cards and then next week. And that just limits the amount of craziness that that stuff can get up to. And that can be fun. There are some more structured leagues where if you win, you can add one card. If you come in second place, you can add two cards. If you come in third place, you can add three cards. And if you come in last place, you can add four cards. That's uh, cool. It's like which a, kind of self-balances a little it's bit. Like the NFL draft or something. Yeah. Where like the, the team that won the Super Bowl doesn't get the best player out of college. Exactly. Yeah. And those, what they do is that also you have communication about this. The rules are set up beforehand uh, and it provides some limits on what you're building and limits breed creativity, and that could be good. Yeah, that's really, really cool. I like that idea. You know, I put a thing here, and it's something to remember always when you're in a play group and, like, you're the one feeling like the arms race has gotten out of control or you're the one feeling like the power level gap is too hard or you're one of them feeling like this person's just more into it than you are. There's a tendency to be like, I'm right, they're wrong, they should be doing what I think. That's not the case at all. What's the problem is that you're not on the same page. They are not wrong, though. They want to play at a certain kind of level and they want to play decks that are 10 out of 10s and they want to build Urza. That doesn't mean they're wrong. It just means that the two of you aren't combat compatible. And how can you bridge that gap? And one of the ways I like to say is like, because you're going to be like, let's swap decks, let's set limits, let's blah, blah, blah. You have to allow for some cheat meals in there. Uh, and this was my point, which is, a cheat meal, and by that I mean like, if you start a diet tomorrow, you're never going to succeed at that, I promise, if you just say, I'm never eating french fries again. That's just not going to work. That's not how life works. You're going to eat french fries. What you have to say, and what works is like, I'm going to just limit the amount that I'm allowed to eat certain things. And so that's what a cheat meal is, right? Like it's so that you can say to yourself, oh, I'm going to have a burger and fries once a week now instead of five times a week or whatever. And this should be the mentality here. Listen, you want to play Urza. I don't want to have to keep up with that arm trace. But I can't tell you, you never get to play powerful decks. So, and we started doing yeah, this. That wouldn't, that wouldn't work. That's like not if fair. you just say like, I can never play Urza, like I'm going to feel bad and I'm going to go somewhere where I can play Urza. Right, but maybe we could work out a thing where I'm like, listen, I know you want to play the powerful decks. I'll play my most powerful deck against yours one time per night. Yeah. And then one time per night, we do the limit thing. And that's a nice compromise that both people may be able to live with. And also, it it's way more likely to make that person try something that they wouldn't want to try. And they might be like, oh, I like this limit thing. Let's do that more. But they'll never do it if you're just like, listen, you're never playing Urza again. We're not doing that. We're not a competitive EDH. And that's you shutting down someone rather than having a conversation about it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's we start doing this thing where uh, at the end of the night, the last game of the night, play the most powerful deck you've got. Because we don't want it to drag on for forever. (laughs) It it, it, it works for a lot of reasons (laughs) because the last game of the night is the one you don't want to last four hours. But also like that allows people in our play group, and there are a few of them now that have like really powerful decks to know that I'm going to get to play one of my powerful decks. And if that's what they love about Commander the most, I don't want to tell them they, they never get to do that. But at the same time, we're most of the time playing with sevens and eights. So it's not right for them to pull out their their Urza decks and stuff. And so I built a deck, you know, to I and I dusted off my Derevi deck recently just to be able to play that, uh, you know, that last game of the night. But at the same time, meet them halfway, allow them the cheat meal. 
Absolutely. I also like that it's the last game of the night, so I can make the most play mistakes possible with the most complicated deck. <laughs> the pro- that's my problem with my with my really good decks is that they're always complicated. I don't play them very often either. So yeah. they're the and they're the decks I should like to play them well. I would have to play them a lot, but I don't play them a lot because they're so good. And so every time I pull them out, I just constantly I'm like, that's not the line I should be taking. What did I do? This deck's really good, guys. I promise it's a ten. I swear it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and the last point we're going to talk about here is branching out. So this is this is a good point you brought up. Do you? I mean, I'll I'll let you do it. This is sure. Um, basically, sometimes groups get really into each other. You. You even if you have a healthy meta, then sometimes your meta just builds into itself, and there's no outside influence, and so it basically goes in a weird direction. You know, I've played against people at GPs where they're like, "I can't believe the number of board wipes you run." And my and my my store, maybe I see one board wipe in a deck or something like that. And to me, that's like that's like ludicrous. But they're like, "No, the meta just doesn't have board wipes," or my meta doesn't have spot removal. Um, some people are in their meta where they're like, well, we don't run any removal. We just bash big creatures against each other. Okay. But how do you deal with a panharmonicon? I'm uh. not saying that's, I'm not saying that's wrong. That's great that their meta is functioning that way, but sometimes that can drift into a weird place, especially when one person starts running those board wipes with a single target removal and other three other players are saying, well, wait a second, my Keterk Leviathan is getting killed. What's going on? Right. You know? And so bringing in outside influences, uh, having some fresh blood, some fresh insight can actually help liven up a play group and can get everyone thinking uh, a little bit more critically about what kinds of decks you're playing and how they're interacting with one another. And this doesn't have to be like necessarily bringing in new people. You wrote down like maybe you're consuming content. Uh, maybe you're going to an event just mm-hmm. to like, you know, interact with new players, but you could be like listening to podcasts or just going to EDH rec and reading some articles. Yeah. That can sort of change your perspective and open it up. We mentioned earlier that I believe a healthy meta is one that is evolving you know, decks are changing, not like necessarily like frantically, but like, oh, I'm adding a little more graveyard hate. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got to have a counter spell or two. Oh, I'm not going to be quite as graveyard centric because they're ready for me, blah, blah, blah. That that move and counter move is really healthy. And what can happen in playgroups when they're insular is that everyone just stagnates. And now it's just like we're meeting and we're playing and we're playing every other week. But for the last eight play sessions, every deck is just basically the same and we're playing the same thing. And that can start to feel boring and make it so people don't want to play. And, and yeah. freshening things up can be helpful. It can it can sort of re-enliven uh, a playgroup that's stagnated, I think. Absolutely. Okay. Well, there's one last thing we wanted to touch on here. Yeah. And... One thing also that, that we could do is in branching out, we talked about branching out, you could actually uh, branch out into sort of new ways of playing, almost like Blind Commander, almost like Good the, say, the, the League saying. or something like that. Yeah. Uh, we were thinking maybe sometimes we do this and play, um, a hidden partners. Oh yeah. Yeah. We play hidden partners. Sometimes yep. we play, um, what's the one there's like emperor, the, king, the emperor. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's yeah. plane chase. Um, and you could also do something like play Oathbreaker. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's something that also came up in the stream where people are talking about Oathbreaker. And, uh, actually I think that, with a new format, people might be approaching and not having enough communication with their playgroup. And this could be another sort of point where there could be trouble on the horizon. If one person's playing uh, Narset Windfall and you're playing, no, let's, Josh is playing Narset Windfall. <laughs> 
And I'm playing I can play the werewolf deck. And I'm playing werewolf moon mist. <laughs> <laughs> like basically we could come yeah. with these with these preconceptions about commander to this brand new format and then suddenly if we don't have the communication, if we don't have a lot of the things that we've been talking about, we can just run up against each other and then oh man, this sucks. Yeah. Yeah. I I I think like Oathbreaker is an interesting thing. I don't, I'm going to go off on a little uh, sidetrack here, but this made me think of something because have you played much Oathbreaker? I have not played much Oath, Oathbreaker, but I've tested a few decks and, and done some stuff. You, you made a video on your channel. I did make yeah. a video on my channel. So I, I would like to try it out. Definitely worth, worth thinking about it. Uh, it's tough because so much content is focused around commander. And anytime we play magic, I feel like I have to play commander because I need that to be related to what we do here. And I don't have a bunch of other extra time to be devoted to what is essentially like a different game. Uh, Oathbreaker similar. It does look cool and fun. I wonder if Oathbreaker would not be better served by foregoing the social contract aspect of Commander and just saying, listen, the whole point of the format is to be fast, right? And just etching out their little niche as a... If you want to put Armageddon in your thing, like there's no social contract as, as far spell, as that. Yeah, yeah as, as far as that's concerned, Oathbreaker is just people try to win quickly, and that's totally fine. I think you've and identified. We'll ban out Narset if we have to, if it's yeah. too powerful. But we're gonna say like we shouldn't have this stigma that EDH does upon like, hey, what's your deck level? Is it a five or is it an eight? Because EDH already has that; they're already doing that. I think you've identified the key point, which is if you, if everyone's jumping into this format and people will jump in because it's fun and people will find new players that are not in their existing meta uh, to play against. If you don't have these positive conversations, uh, if you don't do the whole thing that we're talking, that you were mentioning before about my decks of five, my decks of seven or an eight or something like that, then you will not have a good time. These decks will collide and not do what you want them to do. It will be a bad play experience. It's a matter of setting expectations. And I think Oathbreaker as a format would be better served to set the expectation of like, listen, everyone's just going to build the most powerful thing they can. They're going to try to win the games. There might be politics and everything, just like EDH, but you know, we're going to maintain the ban list as competitively as possible. As far as like, we're going to ban out the cards we think are too powerful and everything else. People should just do it. And that's how we should play these games because that will create the a faster games and it will put it in its own place that's not related exactly to commander because right now i'm not as excited to play oathbreaker because it doesn't seem that different and if it existed in that space i think that would be a breath of fresh air of like no one's gonna get mad at me if i play narset windfall as long as it's legal and that's because just what the format deck. expectation is yeah because i have a deck full of fluster storms and and force of wills and force of negations and all sorts of stuff like that yeah or yeah. i'm playing something and i've got armageddon in my as my signature spell yeah. and that's the, the and somebody else is going to be something else they think is really powerful and that's going to be totally fine if you're saying that this is a format of 8 through 10s then that's good because you don't need to have that conversation but we already have a very limited pool of planeswalkers. Are we narrowing this down way too much by saying that this is a eight, nine, 10 format? Maybe. Yeah, no, it's fair. Cause it turns a lot of decks. It, it probably makes it so that only, you know, a finite number of decks, but there's this. already not that many. Like 
you know, honestly, there's not that many planeswalkers. I don't know. There are more being created every day. <laughs> I mean, let me, maybe I'm totally off base and I don't, I haven't played it a lot. So it's obviously like something that I, it doesn't matter if we're off base or not. We're talking about a real issue, which is the, the differing power levels of brand new format. You know, that's what we're talking about. Your solution is, Hey, maybe, maybe the push should be this competitive end. Right. You know what I mean? That's, that's a solution to the problem of... Would you, would you be more excited to play it if it was like you knew that was the case? Or would you be less excited to play it if that was the case? Where you're just going to like build a, the best deck you can, you're going to go in and you're going to fire it off against people and you're not going to have to worry about like, does my deck... Because no, I'd is, be less ex I would be less excited to play for it, but that's just me because I like brewing um, uh, sometimes more than playing. Uh, I like jankier lower power level decks a little bit more like i would rather play a six that does something big and splashy and cool than an eight that's tuned um really really nicely um but that's that's me and that's my play style that's my you know yeah you know and I, I totally get that i just feel like i have commander for that you're right so it's like every time somebody says that to me like oh you can build a janky thing yeah, but I do that already. Like, I have janky decks. I got, you know, I told you, I got like three or four or fives and sixes. Theirs are not good decks, but they're fun. They do cool stuff. Every once in a while, they have some, you know, combination of cards that no one's ever seen before. So the Planeswalker and the spell don't differentiate it enough in your mind. So instead, if there's a power level differentiation, then there's a reason to sort of play it. Yeah, or just a different expectation from the format to me, mm -hmm. maybe. And I, again... I could be totally off base. No, but the, again, we're not making broad strokes about the entire format. We're talking about you from a personal from well, a personal they're, point. They're at a point where they are, you know, it's definitely the popularity of it is growing. A lot of people are talking about it and they need to gain control of whatever it is and market it in the correct way. Does that make sense? What if they have no what if they have no desire sell it to in the what if they have way. no desire to sell it or market it? What if they want it to be a format of the people that just naturally goes its path and grassroots just yeah. goes? Which I guess they could do that. It's just less likely to work than something that's shepherded in some way. They need to shepherd it correctly, is all I'm saying. Another follow Marketing follow up is, question. Bad, yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I know but exactly I, what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Another question. Uh, does the format have more potential for to success if they go eight, nine, ten, or does it have more potential for success if they say, nah, it's casual. This actually should be a four, five, six format. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I can't answer that question. It's to me, I can only answer for me when I when I hear that, like it doesn't it doesn't appeal to me in any way because I already have a format that I'm invested in that does that thing. So to me, pushing it a little up the chain makes it more appealing because it's like, oh yeah, that's not something. And it naturally fits into it's shorter, it's faster. Mm -hmm. I can pull out my Oathbreaker deck in times when I can't play a commander game because of the time constraint. Yeah, that's the advantage that you really will grab onto is that the speed. And so if you dirtle, you just have a 60 card deck that dirtles versus a 100 card deck that dirtles. Why aren't we just playing our commander decks? I don't understand why that format needs to exist then. Uh, obviously it lets you play different cards in the command zone, but I guess to me that's never been what commander's about. To me, Commander has been about sitting down with my friends, having a leisurely, laughing, political, janky, you know, fun time, more like a board game. Mm -hmm. But I don't need another thing that does that within Magic because I already have Commander. So to me, I'm like, well, what is Oathbreaker doing? If it's just like, hey, different deck building constraints, that's not really that that amusing to me that could be fun but it's not going to gain the the level of traction that something is established as commander has. i just don't think it is it, yeah i don't it think it establishes itself as something else that's far enough away from commander and to me that's just like oh well 
it, it, it could etch out its own space that it has that nothing else does. And, uh, and I think that would maybe be in its benefit, but maybe not. Okay, so that was a totally different tangent about Oathbreaker that we didn't mean to get little, into. But. It was a little bit of a tangent, but it still is grounded in what we're talking about, which is that when you come to the table and people have different expectations, then you could have problems. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, and then yeah, also, setting expectations is so important. Exactly. And so your suggestion is that for Oathbreaker to be sort of successful in your mind, you would want sort of the big push from the format to define the expectations. Um, and that could be successful or not successful, but that would make, that would make you happier. You'd be no, more well, likely. I mean, it would draw me personally more towards. And the I think there's a lot currently. of people that think like you, you know what I mean? Yeah, maybe. You know? I mean, there's probably a ton and, of people who are like, ah, but I want to play my werewolf deck. I get it. Um, you can, you could still do that, but the default expectation wouldn't be that necessarily. Whereas in commander, the default expectation, I feel like, and I could be wrong, but I feel like is where we sit. It's the sevens and the eights. It is the default expectation. People do not default expect expect that like somebody's going to combo out on turn five or six. There, the default expectation is not tens, not combos, and the default expectation is not um, like miscut con- cards or, or pre- all precons white or weird, or weird yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, um, which again, like does talk to some level of communication. Like that is the expectation. So by the way, if you are doing something that's not that, you have to be extra clear about the decks that you're bringing to the table. So Oathbreaker should, could still have that space and that wiggle room, but the expect, the default expectation, I think could be a little higher on the power scale and would be more appealing to me because of that. Um, Just then, my opinion. Are, oh yeah, God, I'm gonna get Josh's yelled at opinion. so much. No, it's Josh's opinion. My, my opinion is that I actually think that some of the higher power levels you know, might be too oppressive and narrow the format too much in that high power area. And I would like to play more. I would think that they should actually skew it a little bit lower Mm. and say the expectation should be that this is a four or five level format where, you know, you're going for the planeswalker you love and the theme you love. I mean, to contradict myself, they have limited ability to ban things because of the low the card pool is so low. There just aren't that many planeswalkers compared to legendary creatures. It's tiny. Oh, it's super tiny. And a lot of them are just completely unplayable. And they also have color restraints. Like there's no four colors. There's no five colors. Uh, very few three very colors. Few threes. So and with the threes, there's like, there's one Esper. There's one band. So let's imagine they had to like ban one of those because it was too powerful because it was a competitive expectation format. Then all of a sudden you're just cutting off, so maybe I'm completely wrong. I don't know. I'm just, I was just, I guess, trying to, in my mind, think about a way that it would be appealing to me. And I'm not sure what that is because, again, a lot of the time I'm like, I, 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 I why don't I just play Commander? Don't, don't yell at, don't yell at Josh. Yeah, like he's afraid fine. that you're going to yell him in the comments. Like give him, give him some constructive feedback of say like, this is, this is a distinct advantage. Like I've played it. This is how it's healthy and fun in my, in my play group. All right. Also. Are you part of a healthy, long-standing play group? This is to the listeners. Do you have any tips for anybody? You know, I think, was it you that was like a raid leader in World of Warcraft? <laughs> yes, I was. I think people no, I wasn't. I was a, I was a guild leader. Of, I was a guild leader, but actually one of the big things that made my guild, being a guild leader successful is that I did not lead raids. Oh, okay, gotcha. Because you knew you weren't good at leading the raids. But no, like, you delegated. I don't even think I should be leading raids. Is that managing a... For example, sometimes someone that has the direction for the whole company shouldn't be managing um, certain people. There should be some level of distinction. So if there's a problem with like in the everyday raid, like getting loot or, you know, a personal problem, they should be able to come to me outside of the raid raid structure as the guild leader. Okay, well, (laughs) 
Sorry. We had a Mazan. We had a Mazan who was also a guild leader. Oh, and really? I think he was raid leader too. So you guys can get into it about that. But I was saying, people. Some people out there have a higher level of experience organizing groups and maintaining them and keeping them healthy and dealing with the interpersonal relationships and the stuff that comes up. And I think those people. Uh, if you're here in the comments, it would be nice to hear your little tips and tricks and advice to people that we hear from all the time. You know, literally, we get an email every couple of weeks about playgroups that are breaking up or problems with yeah, playgroups. Yeah, yeah. And, and you that know, sucks. Yeah, and so maybe this could be a place people could sort of look through, pick through the comments and find some little bits and pieces of advice besides the ones we gave. So I'd be excited to hear that from all of you. Always asking for help from the from the brain trust. Um, also, if you want to support this show, you want to support game nights, you want to support all of our content, you should go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone. If you use that affiliate link when you order all your magic products, your singles, Modern Horizons, M20, anything at all, you really are supporting all of our content. And when you get all that stuff, you want to protect it, you want to make it look nice and shiny and sweet. You want to put it in Eclipse Sleeves by Ultra Pro. You want to play it on an Ultra Pro playmat. You want to put it in an Ultra Pro deck box. You want to have those awesome metal dice from Ultra Pro. They really do make awesome stuff. And by supporting them, you are supporting us. Okay, it's time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. I hear you have another podcast. I do. To talk another about. podcast. Okay. I only came prepared with one end step. DJ's just the best. That's why we I keep having him like, back. Like, let's just pull out my phone and come <laughs> up with a second one. My second podcast uh, that I recommend is Conan O'Brien needs a friend. Conan O'Brien needs Conan, a friend. Conan O'Brien uh, has a podcast. And I actually think what makes his podcast so good is just his ability to riff and go off on weird tangents. In fact, this About is Oathbreaker? the one, yeah, seriously, <laughs> no, but this is actually the one podcast where I listen to the advertisements because he reads the advertisements in like a weird way and goes completely off script <laughs> and, and like, and sometimes I'm sure infuriates the advertisers, but he's Conan O'Brien. So he's allowed to do that. And it's, and every step is just so entertaining. Um, the premise of the show is that he uh, doesn't have any friends. He's neurotic. And, and he needs more friends. <laughs> and he needs more friends. And so he invites a bunch of famous people on to just like kind of chat and like be a friend with him. Sounds funny. Yeah. Uh, I like Conan. I used to work out in the same gym as him because I worked at uh, Universal on the back lot. And... It was a little bit of a rocky time for him. As it turns out, they built a huge stage for him to take over the... Uh, the tonight show yes and um yeah i worked right across my window from my edit bay looked at his the building they built for him the stage and then he would be at the gym sometimes very tall gentleman only for a couple of months that it didn't last very long at all they spent longer building the building than he was there uh so anyway that's a Late night is a is a ruthless it's a ruthless business my gosh uh if you want to check out our sister podcast, The Masters of Modern, Ben Bateman and Alex Kessler, they talk about the modern format, all things competitive magic. There's a ton of new cards coming out in Modern Horizons. Just Hogak all by himself has shaken up that format like a, a ton, so you probably want to hear yeah, the ins and outs Hogak, of Yeah, Hogak, Altar of Dementia, and um, there's one other card. Bridge from Below? I know well, Bridge, Bridge, Bridge was already, there. but like I'm talking about were brand new additions to modern. Oh, yeah. And then also uh, um, the one that's 1-1 uh, one, one sacrifice, put a post and post one counter on him. What is that? It's a, uh, it's anyway, a I've been seeing these pictures of like cards. turn two with like infinite zombies on the table. But it's crazy that you have this influx of cards from Modern Horizons and then suddenly you have three cards going into a deck making something sort of like 
really reimagining the Vengevine sort of deck. Modern Horizons is very cool what it's doing to modern. So if you want to get a handle on all that, Masters of Modern Podcast is the place to go. You can go into YouTube, just type Masters of Modern into your search bar. You can also find them on Twitter at the MMCast or right next to us at Collected.Company. Our editors are Ashlyn Rose, Josh Murphy, and Jared Lafaniere. Frenier. <laughs> I think I'm saying it right. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not Jared's very quiet, so he would that. never be like, you guys are saying my name wrong. So I think we're saying it correctly. Thank you, Jared. Yeah. Uh, and special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer for the beautiful art behind us. I think this is Blood Crypt. Uh, this looks like Talk about movie. maintaining a healthy playgroup. Yeah, Bring them like to the dungeon blood behind us. <laughs> yeah, we didn't think that one through. Uh, yeah, a healthy playgroup through fear. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for watching. Bye, everyone. Peace. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. (laughs) (laughs) Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, It can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly. Which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.